Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dope Black Podcast. Right, hello, this is Dope Black Dads. My name is Umar Kankir and I'm your host for this podcast today. Um, today we are very lucky to be joined by James Walker. James is the CEO of Rightly, which is the Consumer Data Action Service. And the reason why we've got him on today is because we want to talk about the risks involved with children using the internet and how we can best protect them online. Now, Rightly is a consumer data action service which uh, talks about various things uh, regarding uh, data protection. Uh, And James today is going to be talking to us especially regarding the risks involved with children using the internet and how we can best protect them online during what is Child Safety Week this week. Now, keeping children safe... uh, from harm is something that we all naturally should be doing anyway uh, as parents as guardians but data relating to children is often overlooked and there are cases where companies have taken advantage of children they've harvested a great deal of data and neither children parents or guardians are actually um, aware of this and some of this is a situation where you're finding that a lot of companies are harvesting uh, children's data and they're using it to sell uh, to influential advertisers. So I'm going to go into it uh, with James. So James, thank you very much for coming on to the Dope Black Dads podcast today. Um, first and foremost, how are you doing? I am very good. I'm very good. And how are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you very much. It's a nice, uh, well, it's a relatively calm day. At least it's not raining. So that's a good thing. Uh, so, we're, so we're all good. Amazing. I was going to say, I never know whether to sound a podcast, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, because it could be any. <laughs> that is very true, depending on what time a person is uh, is listening to it. So, yeah, no, well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you are <laughs> listening to it. Um, so, um, so, James, tell us a little bit about um, your role at Rightly, and you know, tell us a bit more, tell our uh, listeners a bit more about what Child Safety Week is and how that impacts people. Absolutely. So, um, the first thing is that Rightly is very focused on helping people to take control of their data and to be in charge of it because it's very easy not to know who has your data, where it is, how it's being used, whether it's for good, whether it's for bad. And, you know, in your opening comments about harvesting, I think harvesting as a word is very emotive. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, We hear about worrying about uh, cookies, but we leave a massive footprint of our data from when we go from place to place. 
Um, and children are even less aware of what they're doing than anyone else. So, you know, in Child Safety Week, I think this is about raising the awareness of how data can be used, where it's being left. And there is a responsibility that, you know, us as parents need to consider, but also helping to inform our children about what they're doing and what that means. Because, you know, my kids, for example, have done the, the classic of uh, um, putting in a false age to be able to get access to services because that's what they all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. So you've talked about the term harvesting. So for anyone that's not familiar with that, what does that actually mean in practice? Yeah, um, it's a it's a great term um, because what it's trying to symbolise, and I think it is symbolising, is... If you go and sign up to a new service, you'll be putting in information about you. And it could be, you know, very simple from your name and your email address. But sometimes it goes on to a next level and it's things like your date of birth and your address. But then also that there's the next layer, which is the taking the information that you enter into a service, how you use it, when you use it, what are you looking up? Um, And all of this information is used to build up profiles on all of us, including our children. Um, And those profiles, depending on the organization, they may just use it to work out how to target you. But sometimes you'll find that data is sold on. Um, And there are a number of organizations where they're fundamentally breaking um, the law by breaking GDPR about the way that they are Um, giving you the option to request or not request that your data is shared with others. So, you know, classically, I think we all remember GDPR, um, which is the act that means that our data is protected online. Um, It's out there to make sure that uh, uh, you can be uh, assured that your data is being used responsibly. The problem that exists is a number of organisations have sort of push the boundaries and then gone over the boundaries on how that they're using data. So, you know, if you can go and look at retailers, for example, um, and you've probably bought something, I can certainly think of a few, where you've bought something and you start getting marketing emails and you scratch your head going, I'm sure I didn't sign up for marketing emails. Um, And what's happened is that you're meant to tick a box to say, I'm happy to receive them. A number of organizations now have a box. If you don't tick it, um, they will be sending you marketing information. So they've turned it round, which is exactly what GDPR was meant to stop. And by not ticking a box, it means that your data can be shared on with others. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned at the beginning about data brokers, um, and they are classically one of those. They are the people that really want to harvest your data. Yeah. So, I mean, is there, I, I suppose, is there a, there's obviously a big industry for data brokers so i mean are they getting some kind of financial benefit from obviously you know people not necessarily ticking the boxes as it were to stop their data being shared it's huge Mm. um and that's with definitely a capital h um (laughs) and you know um the data broker industry globally is worth about 230 billion a year which i don't know of many industries that are worth that much no um The amount in the UK is not broken down to, but there's about um, 50 key companies out there. And what their role is, is to try and find as much information out about you, to Mm -hmm. build up a profile, 
And then they sell it on to brands. So, you know, a brand may go, I'm really looking for people that have a propensity to buy, um, I don't know, online gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so the data brokers want to find people that like online gaming. So they're looking to be able to see where they can buy data in from that would give that trait so therefore that they can sell it on to whoever the brand may be. Um, and the obsession on being able to profile and understand who we are um, means that the data brokers are very focused on being able to build up as much information from as many sources as possible. Mm. So one of the things you know I've seen, and um, I definitely know uh, my kids have done, at some point is going into competition websites, you know, yeah. the, um, or I could win an iPhone or I could win probably not a, you know, a blending machine, but uh, <laughs> I don't know something that uh, um, uh, would be expensive and probably uh-huh. phones is the, the best example. Mm-hmm. And they, they enter a competition um, and by entering that competition, um, there will be somewhere on that site um mm your data is going to be shared with um, a number of organizations. Um, And it's very hidden away often. And what's happening is that the way the competition website makes money is from selling your data on. Because if they're giving Mm. away a prize, where are they getting their money from? It's that, you know, we turn into the product Mm -hmm. um, when somebody can't make money any other way, they have to make it out of us. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what what do you think that, companies and organizations should be doing to be more transparent about this because obviously this is quite um it's quite problematic because obviously a lot of children young people even adults aren't necessarily going to be scrolling down to the bottom to tick a box to say you know don't sorry don't share my data but i mean do you think more can be done to to kind of prevent this or do you think we are kind of stuck with this I think a lot more can be done. And, you know, some of the um, online harms that uh, um, the online harms bill is considering elements of this. But I think the first bit is that organisations need to obey the law. Um, It doesn't seem like a very um, big ask, but Mm. a number don't. I I think the second is that it should be very clear where your data is going to be used Mm -hmm. and if it's going to be shared. You know, it doesn't need to have something that is in the T's and C's buried at Article 15.1.2, but very much at the point that you sign up um, and being very clear. Mm, But arguably, I mean, would you say, you know, that they have, that they are fulfilling their duty in the sense that, you know, yes, it may not be 100% visible at the beginning, but if it's there somewhere, it's, you know, the duty is incumbent on us to kind of try and check for that? Or, I mean, or do you think government should be doing more to to make that more obvious to people so people know that this is what they are potentially signing up for? Look, I think the government has to do more. Um, mm. And fundamentally, I go with your logic that if something's in there. Mm. But the point is, um, you know, we all get on with our lives and we're all time poor. So what's the first thing that gives? The first thing that gives is um, being able to check something like that. And we don't see the fact that actually that data could end up being sold onto somebody who's a scammer. So Mm. we can't see the link between that scam. Um, I mean, I looked at my digital footprint 
And as an example, 1,500 companies had uploaded my email address into Facebook to market to me. So where, wow. where had they all got my data from? Yeah. Um, and let's go back to your question about if it's on there, it's our responsibility. Mm. Well, I can hide what I'm doing with the data by having mm-hmm. some lovely ambiguous words that most people won't understand. Mm-hmm. I can combine it with making it somewhere very hard to find. Um, so therefore, what is the likelihood of me, if I go and search for it, being able to find for find it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can think of some very clear examples of some amazing wording. I, I You know, I, I almost take my hat off if I have mm-hmm. Um, to uh, um, the the wordsmithing that some of these sites can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of a paragraph, which is uh, how my data is going to be used, and 90% of it is waffle. Mm -hmm. The waffle is designed to make you switch off from reading it um, so that when you you read the bottom and the top, and by reading the bottom and the top, you think by clicking the box, your data is going to be shared. It's mm. not. It's by not ticking the box your data shared. So, wow. you know, it's very easy to be able to manipulate the outcomes that you want. Yeah, um, no, I totally, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Because I think there are very often nat- the natural inclination is you'll see a box that says tick here, you know, yeah. to accept the terms and conditions. So you naturally think, okay, yeah, if I just click on this box, that means um, <clears throat> my data it's going to be safe, but actually companies are probably reliant on people not reading it and actually doing the opposite to what they say. Is that really what you're That's saying? Fair. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, all of that can be done if you're um, not having very clear guidelines about exactly how you should do this. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think that ties in quite neatly with, um, you, you know, you said government need to do more and an online safety bill um, has been published. So, just tell our listeners a little bit more about what the online safety bill is and how it works and what you think could be achieved with it. Yeah, yeah. So the online safety bill is going through becoming law. So it's not there mm-hmm. yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, as an estate agent would say, many a slip between cup and lip. And the same thing with this legislation. Let's see what actually gets there. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, a number of elements have been thrown into this um, and a number of people have had views on this. So... Um, you may have seen Martin Lewis uh, yeah. talking about adverts on Facebook, for example, um, of which scammers frequently use. So that's, you know, an example of how online harm is being looked at. But also mm-hmm. there's online harm for children, how to be able to report things like bullying, how to be able to prevent um, access to pornography, um, mm-hmm. how to be able to make sure that um, if something does happen, how can it be reported and most importantly, how that you create a greater responsibility for the websites to be able to say they need to sort it out. You know, classically, the social media world will say, well, we're, we're a bit like a marketplace. You know, mm-hmm. we allow people to come into it and to be able to make comments. We can't guarantee what people are going to say and why that they're saying it. Um, or is there any bias or truth or is it a lie? So... Um, it's trying to bring greater responsibility that um, platforms and um, websites need to make sure that they're doing more to be able to protect consumers and as importantly or more importantly, children when they're online. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I know that recently there was a Human Rights Watch report that was published that said that a lot of countries during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic didn't actually protect 
children's privacy well enough when they were endorsing online products. So a lot of us as parents or guardians would have been using various educational online products during uh, during COVID, obviously to help with teaching our children and kind of you know making sure that they they're, they're ticking along. Um, but it was uh, in in the report that uh, was called "How Dare They Peep Into My Private Life." children's rights violations by governments that endorse online learning during COVID-19 pandemic. So they examined over 150 education technology products, which are all endorsed by 49 countries. And they said that 89% of the education products seem to use data practices which risk or infringe children's rights. And in many cases, they harvested personal data, such as who the children were, where they were, what they were doing in the classroom, who their family and friends were, what kind of device they were found, that their families can afford to use so on and they were doing all of this without consent so i mean even you know during the pandemic during a time when people were struggling trying to make sure that you know they were doing the best that they can keep children learning you know we're hearing of companies harvesting data in this kind of way which is you know completely unacceptable agreed and there's yeah. probably, you know, parts of the audience be sitting there and going, yes, yeah, so what? They've got the data. Um, I would hope a larger proportion will be going, that just so doesn't seem right to me because mm. it's this balance that has been broken between us having data um, or us allowing organisations to have data so that we get better services and organisations mm-hmm. then stepping over the line and going, well, okay, what can I infer? How can I use that data? What, you know, can I can I sell to more people? Can I um, entice other people in because uh, um, X is in the platform? So why doesn't Y come and join in? Um, mm-hmm. And it is the drive to um, for organisations to grow um, that is always concerning. And, you know, with children, this should not be the case. Um, Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and I can't even think where I've seen it, but it was definitely online. I saw an advert mm. for somebody walking into a coffee shop. And um, before they can order the coffee, they've been asked for their name, address, 
um, where they live, their occupation, their age, and their income. Um, and uh, it was like if the uh, if this if the internet was the same for buying a coffee, this is how you know how much information we gathered from you for buying a coffee. Um, mm. And if we think about how much information that we're handing over, and then you think, well, what could somebody buy in on um, us or on a child um, from a data broker? And you add that together, it suddenly becomes mm. a very, very detailed profile. Um, and that allows you to be able to think then about what services can be delivered or how services can be changed. And to a degree, this then becomes creepy. You know, mm. um, if we just for um, slightly off topic, but mm. I um, downloaded all of my data from a number of large um, internet companies that provide mm-hmm. devices in the home that you can speak to. And mm. it was like going back through the past because every time um, one of my children has spoken to one of those devices, it was recorded. Um and there was a copy. So I could listen to exactly what had been asked. Um, now, in one respect, I can get, okay, there's a copy of that in case if I don't know criminal activity or um, something like that. But at the same time, I'm going, that's very weird that they are holding um, what my children have been saying for the last five years. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is. I mean, and do you think, is? I mean, are there things in place which companies have to for example delete that data after a certain period of time is there anything in place that does that or is the online safety bill introducing measures to allow for that to happen so there is a this this good question so first bit is there's like a statute of liability which is depending if you're in england and wales or in scotland is six or seven years so that's up Mm -hmm. to a point where you know, data naturally wants to be stored by organizations because that's the point at which you can go, well, after that point, no one's going to come after me. In the world of um, data and data harvesting, no, just keep keep storing it. Um, mm. And interestingly, uh, I'm not aware of anything about limiting the time period in which data can be stored. Um the, the element that comes into play here is if you're trying to build up a profile, why do you want to get rid of the data that shows you what somebody did in the past? And even if you said, delete the data, I can mm. find a way to come up with markers that mean that uh, um, I could delete the data and still have the same knowledge by using markers against an individual. So mm. it's it's almost, there's always a way to get around, um, uh, you know, what's been trying to achieved if people are trying to abuse the situation so i mean do you think anything's going to be able to be done i mean it sounds as if these data companies have almost in a way found loopholes to to keep being able to harvest this data and this information i mean does it need a strong government legislation or is it just a case of even with the legislation coming in they're just going to find more creative ways to get this data information. There is one very cunning way to be able to deal okay. with this. And it's not coming from, it's coming from legislation, but it won't, new legislation won't change it. And that's doing a right to object to processing of your data. Um, and that's under GDPR. And it's a little mm. uh, clause that very few people know about. And what it fundamentally says is, 
Um, I, as a consumer, can ask you as an organization to delete all of my data. But also, if you ever get my data back in again, you can't use it. You must Mm. delete it again. Now, one of the things that um, data brokers do is they Mm -hmm. buy and sell data between each other to try and enrich the amount of information that they've got on consumers. Mm -hmm. So doing this uh, to object to processing of data means you stop it now, Mm -hmm. but you stop it in the future. It can't be bought in. And that puts you, um, you know, back in control of fundamentally your data footprint because Mm -hmm. the data brokers will be the ones that are selling data into organizations, selling it into people committing, uh, sorry, selling it into organizations looking to market to you. But also, unwittingly, they can sell the data on to scammers and people trying to commit financial fraud. So doing a right to object prevents that happening. Mm -hmm. There's around 50 data brokers, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, without having a shameless plug, but let's have a quick shameless plug, (laughs) is um, there is a tool on Rightly that's free that is designed to help you do that and do it in a couple of minutes. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you need to do the same thing to 50 different um, organizations, um, which is hard work. So, Mm. you know, it shouldn't be hard work. And what we've tried to do is to make it simple. Mm, yeah, and I, and I think it just, given everything that's going on at the moment, it just it does sound as if companies have no interest in trying to make it an easy process because obviously, as you said, it's a two hundred billion plus industry globally, um, and it's not something that they necessarily obviously any changes that's going to affect their ability to make money is not something that they will necessarily welcome. Um, but I know that, for example, the uh, Information Commissioner's Office have th- this year, well, recently, they've got a 15-point age-appropriate design code. So obviously, a lot of parents, guardians will have children that are using uh, tablets or mobile phones. Um, and a lot of these produce various apps, websites, video games, and different social medias that they go on to. And um, the protection of personal data relating to children is a priority for the ICO uh, yeah. despite that there is a series there has been there has been a series of data breaches and infringement of children's data um, so as I said they produced a 15 point um, code I mean in your view you've, you've you've obviously seen the code do you think it goes far enough to help with protecting children's data in your view Look, it's a, actually a really good piece of work that the ICO has done so that's the information commissioner's office just to make sure we don't have to say it each time ICO. Yes. Um, you know, they've done a really um, thorough piece of work um, to make sure that our children's data is being used uh, effectively and fairly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the more important bit is making sure organisations follow it and making sure um, people use it as not just being, you know, exemplar practice, but being mm-hmm. standard practice. Um um, and the great part as well is you've already raised it, uh, is that, look, you can raise a concern to the ICO um, if you come across something that you don't think is right. The ICO is uh, dealing with lots and lots of complaints and issues. 
But what they have done is look at where they prioritize. Um, and things like children's data is one that they do prioritize to, towards. So they will take quicker action and look how that they can remediate that if they think there's a concern. So that, that's the plus. But, you know, they, they are a regulator with how many organizations hold data in the UK? It's got to be four to five million. Wow. Um, so, you know, they can't regulate everyone. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to remember the organizations that have services in the UK that aren't based here. They also mm-hmm. have data. Um, by operating in the UK, they do come under the ICO's legislation. So it has millions of organizations um, that it needs to try and police. And therefore, they need help from us as consumers to be able to report if we see anything that we think is wrong. Mm. And I suppose, you know, for example, YouTube is a very popular um app um, website that children adults use and obviously youtube is not based here in the uk it is a global organization and we know that for example you know whenever you click on a video or you're watching um, various adverts you know that's another way that data is being mined so i mean it's great obviously the ico are doing as much as they can to kind of protect uh children in the uk but is there anything that can be done to ensure that obviously you know, their data isn't being mined and harvested in, in other places, you know, like in America or in China or anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, it's hard because um, how do you stop a, a child going onto these sites? So you can look at, for example, um, whether you've got some form of browser or uh, device restrictions preventing where that they're going. Um and it's about setting that up right. That's the easiest way to be able to control. Um, the second part is um, I'm always, you know, uh, a believer in if they um, need to have an account is having a couple of different email addresses, for example, um, and being able to put in um, uh, like a secure one and a less secure one. And when you put your name into sites is to put your first name by, as a continuation, the site name, for Mm. example. So that um, actually if there is any leaking of your data or if the data's passed on, you can see where it's come from because Mm. you've got almost like a tag that you're putting on to where you're going into. Mm -hmm. So you you can think about things like that to be able to help with how do I try and identify if it has been leaked the second one is to minimize, or the third one is to minimize the data that you're putting in when you submit mm-hmm. um, and have, like I said, you know, like an email address. It's almost like a burner email address that you don't mind. Um, and then, um, yeah, go back and look at how that you're limiting browsing and what can be browsed and what the restrictions are. A number of those platforms actually have the ability to be able to set up different restriction levels to be more age appropriate. Mm-hmm. The one that's my biggest concern in that is you know um children finding their way around any of those um walled gardens that we're creating where we're trying to make sure that they're in a safe environment and signing up for something by putting in a um an an age that isn't their age so that they show that they're over 18 Um, Mm. and then they're getting full access and it's unrestricted um but they could also be handing over data or be encountering um, content that we would not want them to see. Mm. So, I mean, do you think there are ways for maybe additional verification then? So, you know, for example, I can put in my my date of birth, 
obviously show that I, well, I know my date of birth. I know yeah. I'm 37. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> do you think there's more that can be done? So, so two step, you know, two, three step verification to, yeah, yeah. to kind of protect children in that way. And that's interesting. I mean, that's one of the things that um, the digital harms uh, is looking at is the, mm. how to look at verification. Um, and I know that this is probably a very bizarre analogy, um, but um, that's one of the things that the mobile operators had to do about accessing of porn. Mm. Um is um, being able to look at doing additional verification um, before they allow you to be able to browse through to porn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, that's something that was uh, uh, brought up and part of this is looking at could that be extended further. Um, the key element of it is it's trying to create an extra barrier and trying mm -hmm. to create verification. Um, and that's a, a real key thing. And if you think about it, we're seeing more and more verification in our lives from mm. signing up to services to you know um uh using a website that you may actually get asked for more information and again that brings around to our early com earlier conversation you you've got to have you're having this debate we've got to have this debate in your head between mm. why are they asking for that do they need yeah. that and are they going to store that yeah i mean do you think that yeah, I mean, I, I see the point because obviously then if you're having additional verification, is that then another way for companies to harvest even more <laughs> data for you? So, you know, what is the best way to kind of manage that situation? And it's a, it, it, it's, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. One thing we do have on a positive on that is that most of the sort of authentication services do this by submitting a token back to the site that you're trying to sign up with. Mm. So it's almost like they're giving a red flag or a green flag rather than going, here you go, here's all the data. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes that data will be needed. Um, and this is what in the industry they call KYC, uh, know your customer. Mm. So it's about being able to prove that you know who they are and what that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, well, we're going to start to round this off, but I just wanted to see what would you, to, to the parents, to guardians that are listening to um, the podcast today, what would you say would be three tips that you would give in terms of how best we can try and protect our children online and protect their data going forward? So I'd go, um, and I think this is building what we've said already, um, which is always a good way to round something off, mm -hmm. um, is uh, look, the first one is make sure that you've got controls on devices that they're using um, that are age appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is to minimize the, the data that's being shared. Um, and uh, the third is to very carefully read, you know, the opt-in and the opt-out boxes of how data is being used. Mm -hmm. Um because what you're trying to do is prevent access to the wrong type of information. Mm -hmm. You're then trying to make sure that you're preventing their data um, being leaked out mm -hmm. um, and uh, making sure that, therefore, that they have the highest level of protection. Um, and if you do receive anything or if they start receiving anything that seems unusual, you know, um, to me, spam emails or scam emails, um, is I would think about doing that right to reject processing of their data as well. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know you mentioned earlier that Rightly have got a tool as well about trying to get, um, you know, get in touch with those companies uh, regarding your information. We will put a link to that um, in the in the podcast uh, link as well. But James, thank you so much for coming on this morning or this afternoon or this evening, depending <laughs> on when you're listening to it. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation. And I think, you know, for parents and guardians, you know, use the use of the internet is obviously something we cannot escape because it is part of our everyday life and everyday fabric but obviously the issue around harvesting children's data especially and our own data is quite a big industry and it's quite big business and we need to do as much as we can to kind of try and safeguard our children and safeguard their information so that we're protecting them as much as we can and and obviously hopefully from our conversation today you've got a lot more tips and information and knowledge that you can use that will help you to do that going forward Um, I've been Umar, he's been James, this has been Dope Black Dads. Thank you very much and we'll see you next time. Dope Black Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.